Due to an infuriating failure of technology, we regret to admit that this episode, the first half of our chat with A Spursy podcast host Richard Saver, lacks anywhere near the audio quality that we expect from ourselves and that any listener would accept. We've decided not to bin the content, but do apologise for its difficulty to listen to and promise that tomorrow's episode, the second with Richard Saver, has been recorded properly. Anyhow, we hope you enjoy episode 13, unlucky 13 for us perhaps. Ian introduced myself and Peter before welcoming today's guest onto Why You Won. to introduce. We're very pleased to welcome on board today the founder and a host of a Spursy podcast, a truly flourishing show which ran throughout lockdown and kept many Spurs supporters engaged with the club on the usual podcast providers and Twitter, notably with a number of player profiles tweeted each day which invited people to share their memories of players past and present. We're all big fans of your content, so thank you for joining us today. Richard Sava, welcome Richard. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm not sure... Everyone will agree that they're big fans of my content, but I thank you anyway. Well, you know what? I, I've been following you for a little while, actually, and I, and I really love your content on Twitter. I think it's really yeah. thought-provoking, and, and I think it, it sparks debate, and, and everyone's got opinions. So do, do you sort of get upset by some of the responses you get? Because I, I don't mind the debate, but I just don't like it when it goes a bit nasty. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think it's a bit of give and take. Unfortunately, it's what happens when you've got a reputation, so... Um, Try to start a podcast off the back of being controversial, but what that brings is 50% of the people that love you, 50% that don't, and uh, the ones that don't will always come at you, so uh, you've got to be prepared, haven't you? But why, why did you um, start the podcast in the first place, and how long has it been going? Um, so the podcast has been going since November 2019, so what, what are we looking now? About, about eight, nine months, and the reason for starting it was... Look, there's a lot of Spurs, Spurs podcasts out there. Um, the main ones that I was listening to, um, it felt to me at the time that a lot of them were having the same guests on every week. Um, were it, it was all it was all very nice, which is great, um, but I didn't feel it was a true reflection of, of the club at the time. Um, so, so I vowed to to get on do a podcast and invite anybody on who wants to talk about anything, rather than uh, the likes of. Um, Oh God, I'll name drop it. The, the, the likes of Last World and Spurs, where it's the same four people every week who who all think the sun shines out of the club, and um, you know, I just I, I just didn't like that, so so I, I did something about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. That, that's that's a really good. I mean, us in our podcast, obviously, you listen to ours all the time, obviously. Yeah, um, obviously. Uh, but I, I I just like the way sort of you do mix it up a little bit, and you get different views, and I I really think I think that's why you're sort of getting some good traction and some good numbers. Um, but I, I have sort of seen in the past that you get some bad narrative, read the title of your podcast, as Spursy is quite a negative term. Have you, have you sort of found that a bit? Oh, God, have I found it a bit? <laughs> um, I, found, I found it a lot. When I was tinkering around with ideas for the name of the podcast, I had a few ideas and I, I ran them past a couple of people that are big Spurs fans and I said, look, what do you think of this? And they said, no, you'll alienate a few people with this, with that. Um, and they said, well, look, what about Spurs and podcasts? It, it sums us up nicely as to where we are as a club. And I just thought it was quite funny. Um, 
but lots of people take it really offensively. Um, and I've had, I've had people say, oh, I won't listen to your podcast because it's got the word Spursy. And yes. I think, Jesus Christ, how do you get by in that? Yeah. If you don't like a word. So, you know, look, it is what it is. <laughs> You're kind of missing out if you can't get past the word Spursy. Yeah, yeah so, so, um, <laughs> what, what are the sort of ways in which you kind of handle the more unpleasant Twitter users? I mean, there are a lot of them. And you know, would you say that at times you could have handled it better or are you pretty satisfied with, with what you've done so far? No, no, I, I definitely, definitely a 3,000% could have handled it better. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, do you know what? There's certain people that rile me up. There are. There's, there are certain people that are gunning for me, certain people that want to constantly tweet and um, it doesn't matter what I say, what my content is, who my guest is, people want to ruin it for me. Um, and those people, I still have a nibble at, and, 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 and I need to cut that out. But in the majority, I've tried to steer away from past behaviours, if, if that's the, uh, the correct term. Yeah, but one thing I do like that you do, I think you, you touched on it as well, that you know a lot of the podcasts possibly almost like got the same pundits who are, who are kind of like in every episode and stuff like that. But what, what you do that I like is that you... You know, you have your, your followers, whoever's following you on Twitter or who engages with you, and you actually have them on your podcast. And just how how rewarding is that to have different voices who you know are, are kind of like engaged with you and then to, to actually meet them and have a discussion with them about Spurs? Yeah, do, do, do you know what? It's the, it's the whole reason I did it. Look, I'm not going to lie. There are, there are episodes where I only want certain people on. You know, if, if I'm interviewing Darren Anderson, for example, like I did the other day, I don't want anyone else on with me because I want it to be a one-on-one. And, sure. and that's a little bit of exposure and almost a little pat on the back that some of the hard work has paid off. But in general, you know, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't let my followers come on because, as I said, there were podcasts before where I'd say, look, get, get me on. You know, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I'm a staunch Levy out, Enoch out person. And some of the podcasts that were pro Enoch wouldn't let me on. They said it was too controversial, you know, that I wasn't liked enough. And... And for me, I just think that's the complete wrong way of going about it. I, 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 I encourage the people who have got different opinions to me to come on and, and will debate. But the problem is, a lot of those people won't because they, they won't hear anything said against their opinions. So, you know, it, it swings around about, but I've met a lot of good people doing it. Um, you, you start to get a lot more people in pubs and stuff saying, um, are you Sava? And I'm, at first, whenever people do that, I think, oh, Jesus Christ, they can punch me in the face or in the body. But but you know it, it's a good it's a good laugh, and, and I think what people need to understand is that you know I don't I don't get paid for doing this. You know I take a lot of you guys understand like you do a podcast. It's a lot of time editing, um, setting up YouTube, setting up all the podcast accounts, um, you know promoting it, getting guests, and, and and some people are just really ungrateful for that and think that I'm. I, they seem to think I'm earning thousands and thousands of pounds off it. And yeah. uh, Sam, do you mind me asking? Sorry, Peter. Do you mind me asking quickly? How much of your time does it actually take up? Because we're, I suppose, we're quite lucky in the fact that, well, actually, we're quite lucky in the fact that Sim does most of it. But how much time does it actually take up for you? L- loads of time. Um, I mean, it's the, the thing is, the shows evolved. I used to do one podcast a week, but what I found out was um, I actually went onto a show. Um, called The Football Hut with a guy called Hope Hutt. He, he was really funny. 
And it, it's opened my eyes as to how podcasts can be done in more of a kind of um, online, live, YouTube uh, format. So since I've done that, I've actually changed to one podcast a week and, and then one sort of analysis show during the week, whether that be about tactics, whether that be about transfers, the squad, the chairman, whatever it may be. So it just doubles the workload of, you know, constantly uploading. Um, you know, that it takes time. It takes hours and hours a day. Then you have to keep yourself active, as you know, on Twitter to, to, to get the following numbers up. And sometimes you just think, Jesus, what's the point? <laughs> you know, there's so much hate. Um, so, yeah, time consuming. Yeah, how, how have you found the live shows as well? Because, you know, is it, is it different? We've, we've, like, on, with this podcast, we've never done a live show. Is it different to... Uh, you know, the usual pre-recorded and then you can kind of toss out anything that you don't particularly like that comes out of the recording. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the thing about the live, um, you have to deal with all the loss of connection issues. Mm. You know, people sometimes, they're in the middle of talking, the next thing you know, they just drop completely and you're like, right, let's quickly move on to something else. Yeah. Um, what it does allow, though, is for people to, to, to watch live and they can comment in the box and for me, that's the important thing. It's the interaction. Yeah. I, I love that anybody can comment in the box. Um, nine times out of ten, it's, it's, it's positive comments. And I don't mean positive in terms of just agreeing with what myself or the guests are saying. I mean, you know, people are just interacting. It's good. It's, it's strong stuff. Um, you know, one out of ten people want to be rude, want to, um, you know, just have a dig and, and, and whatever. But, you know, it, it, it makes it a little bit more exciting that you can actually have the debate and involve them all at the same time. Your recent contributions to the uh, Fighting Cock, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever found someone's views more in, aligned with mine uh, in so terms of... So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't express it as well as you did, you know. Um, well, that, 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 and, that's good. It's quite a good timing. I think we yeah. can segue, uh, segue on to the next part of the show then, Peter. Sure. Yeah. It's as if you not meant to do that. Yeah. In the script. <laughs> Anyway, let, let's crack on with it. Uh, sorry, just just I mean, just want to thank you for like, talking about your podcast because uh, I think people who our listeners who possibly don't listen to your podcast, um, just give it a listen because it really is quite interesting. And, and as Sada says, you know, there's different different insights and you get different views from people, and I think that's what it's all about as a Spurs fan. Different views yeah. make make the world go around. I think. But anyway, let's crack on with the show. Um, many fans would have listened to Richard um, speaking as a guest on the Fighting Cop podcast recently. And it's fair to say that he shares pretty much the exact view on Daniel Levy and Enoch Brood as their very own Peter Wright. I'll shortly invite you, Peter, to make some points, and the rest of us will try and balance the discussion. But first, Richard, could you just summarise your stance on the Spurs board and you know, where they've let the team down over the years? Yeah, do you know what? I think you know you hit the nail on the head there without me having to do it. Um, the, the Spurs board have absolutely let down the football club. And when I say let down the football club, I... I, I keep reiterating to people that, look, you know, guys, I, I don't know how old you lot are, but take yourself back to when you're 8, 9, 10, 11. You're in the playground, you're playing football, you're, you're, you're starting to have those first football arguments with your mates before you get to the age where you go to games and you go to the pub. The arguments have always been about who's won what, who's yep. the better team. Yep. It was never about spreadsheets. It was never about stadiums. It was never about training grounds, commercial deals, beer that fills up from the bottom, light shows, marketing deals. Uh, and, and I've stayed with that. I, 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 I still have that in me as a football fan, that I don't see success as having the world's best stadium. 
It doesn't do anything for me. It's a place I go to for an hour and a half once every two weeks to watch Spurs play. The rest of the time, it's not in my life. It's it's a lovely um, entertainment venue which has been designed to uh, to make our owners money, which we're not seeing plugged back into the squad. And they've overseen the worst trophy drought since the 1950s. So, for me, I think, uh, you know, everyone's bound to think their opinion's right, but for me, I think it's case closed. It's like I look at it and go, we don't win anything. Um, my Arsenal fans, my, uh, sorry, my Arsenal fans, my Arsenal mates who are fans, my Chelsea mates, my Man United, whoever, whatever I would say to them, they would say, we're running them. You know, they, they don't want to hear that we've got a lovely stadium, that we've got Harry Kane, he's one of our, they don't care. They brag about winning trophies. So for me, it's about what you want as a football fan. And for me, I don't want to look at our profit. I don't want to look at how healthy we are in terms of finances. I want them to put some of that money onto that bit of grass, which is the only thing that matters when you play football. That's, that's brilliant. I love, that's really well put, Sabra, I have to admit. Because I think I, I, I'm, I'm one, because of my background in finance and accounting, I think possibly I've been sort of been sucked in by them a little bit, and and I think over the last doing this podcast recently, um, going back over the last 20, 30 years, the project we did over lockdown, sort of feel oh. really think, and, and I've pretty much been staunch backers of Enic because of what they've done for the club. But I think we've I've come to a point now where possibly you've come to it a lot earlier than I have, where I've just sort of had enough of it, really, you know. Um, 2012 was, was my turning point. Interesting. Peter, can I bring you in? Because, um, Sava, just as uh, some context, and I'm sure all our listeners yeah. will realise, Peter has been very vociferous in us. So, Peter, I'll let you sort of yeah. uh, give give uh, give Sarah a virtual hug, actually, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the, I'm the oldest, oldest member of this um, team, if you like. And so I, I do remember us actually winning stuff, you know, on a regular basis. But... Um, I just found myself, I just woke up this morning feeling really angry. I don't know, I'm turning into the Roy Keane of this podcast in, in a way, without the scowl, with, maybe without the scowl, you know, but I woke up this morning and Sim had TalkSport on and they were talking about Chelsea's bringing in all these players and they just sold, how did the team that sold their best player last season, uh, how did they, and how did they end up like in a cup final with and finish top four with a, a new manager in the job? All of these youngsters transfer ban. How have they managed to do that? You know, I just got and I found myself getting really angry. And then I, and then they were talking about Grealish, and United were in for Sancho, is it, and willing to pay eighty million for him and Grealish. Uh, his his value has gone up to like. 80 million as well, when we could have had him for maybe 40. And uh, it just sort of like really just struck a chord with me this morning. I found myself getting angrier and angrier. And then I, and then I started looking at teams like Liverpool, City. They were like, we were looking at them in the rear view mirror not that long ago. And now, you know, they're sort of showing us a clean pair of heels going, going, yeah. going off into the distance. And it's yeah, I mean, Peter, if, if you don't mind me, for, for me, I think that, that's the nail on the head, is that I hear every year from Levy backers, so to speak, and Enoch uh, 
proing at people that, you know, be patient, be patient. It's going to happen. But we're yet now 20 years in, we're about to have another window where we're not going to do anything of significance. We've seen Chelsea sign Ziyech, Werner, they, they nearly agreed a fee with Havertz, they're going to get Chilwell, they're probably going to get Oblak. You, you know, it, it, I just look at it and I think to myself, our biggest signing of this summer is probably going to be Hoiberg. Yeah. And I just think to myself, okay, fair enough, we built the stadium and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. But these clubs are just going to pull further and further away because yeah, we're neglecting the one thing that a football club shouldn't neglect, and that's the 11 men on the pitch. So I, I, I just kind of i am confused as to what what is the aim of Tottenham Football Club? What is the aim of the new stadium? What is the aim of the training ground when we can't even, when we're going and buying 15 year olds from from Wigan? I, I'm just a bit baffled as to what we're doing. Yeah, the Chilwell, the Chilwell one, I forgot about Chilwell. I think that's what set me off. Oh really? Because I thought we need a left back. We really do need a left back, and, and we're not going to attract him because you know we can't give him Champions League football. Probably can't give him the wages, and it's just the at the core of it. At the root of the problem is the endless penny pinching and haggling over, uh, over just to squeeze the last penny out of a deal that Levy's done over the years, and that's to me at the core of the problem. Why we didn't get Grealish? Why we didn't get Fernandez? And I just, yeah. you know. Um, Sadly, just for some context, Peter's going really red with anger because you can't see him. <laughs> um, but just, 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 uh, but Sam, what do you, what do you say as a, uh, when sort of fans of the club and possibly I've been guilty of this in the past that you know, that we should put aside you know do we have a responsibility to put aside any short termism and back in it in their long term strategy because they've delivered you know, this wonderful stadium and a wonderful training ground well, do we have a responsibility as fans to sort of take these fallow years for the long term future of the club what do you say to that absolutely not and and I'll tell you why we don't is first of all it's been 20 years you think where were you 20 years ago you know i mean 20 years ago from now, I was just finishing college. I mean, I was having like, my first beer and just trying to sneak into nightclubs. 20 years ago. Like, I've now lived a full life, worked abroad, had a career for 17 years. I'm about to get married. I've owned three properties. In all that time, their achievement is, okay, we've got in the Champions League and we've got a nice stadium. But you have to ask yourself this. If our goal is stadiums and training grounds, if our goal is not to provide the best players on a pitch to win trophies, why charge us the most in world football? Yeah. Because the price doesn't reflect the products that we're paying for. And I said it on my podcast yesterday, guys. I said, you know, if, if I got sent down the road, if my fiance kicked me out of the house and said, right, go shopping, go to, go to Harrods, and I came back with products from Sainsbury's that cost the same amount, I'd be, be I'd, I'd, she'd be paid at me. Right? This is the thing, you pay for what you get. And if we keep shopping in those supermarkets while Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United City keep shopping in Harrods, what's the point? What are we paying for? That, that's, that's some great points there, Sam. I just, I just sort of want to throw in this as well, uh, what your thoughts are. I said in our, one of our last podcasts that I think Enoch, obviously they're an investment uh, company, there's obviously an exit plan. I actually think they're not far from their exit plan. I think the naming rights um, will give the will bolster up the balance sheet, and also possibly Mourinho is like another piece in the balance sheet jigsaw. 
And I, I don't think they're that far away. What, what's sort of your thoughts on this, Adam? Well, well first of all, I, I, I really bloody hope so. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait. And I, what I've said to everyone is, I will host a party at mine, free drink for everyone. The day <laughs> Peter will be there, definitely. I mean, I will invite every one of my followers. I, I don't care. Listen, what I was hearing uh, sort of mid-season was that, uh, from, from a few people in the club, was that Enoch were looking to sell, um, and and that there was one American back, a buyer and one Middle Eastern buyer involved. But then COVID hit, and apparently it all went wrong. Now look, this could be complete BS, or it could make perfect sense because if you're Enoch, um, they bought Spurs for twenty million, was it nineteen Correct. million? Yeah, twenty million. Right? Yeah. 20 million back in 2001. Now they're going to sell the club for 2 billion, right? Now that, they can walk away and, 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 and they never have to worry about anything ever again. It makes sense for them to sell up because, you know, if they're not interested in football, which they're clearly not, then, then, then go, go and be somewhere else. You know, we're a football club with football fans. There are people who save all their money every week to go for this. You know, there are people that follow this club around the world and they're not getting what they deserve. Listen, this is not Enoch bashing or Levy bashing or anything like that. But the, the fact is the club is set up as an entertainment uh, enterprise. You've got Lady Gaga, you've got the Anthony Joshua thing, you've got the NFL stuff, all that stuff. It's not just about the football. Um, yeah. Enoch does not equal trophies. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the problem. For me, as a football fan, and that's where I align with you, at Saba. So, yeah. So, 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 so Saba, would it would it all be reconciled for you? You know, the twenty the twenty years. We'll call it a twenty years of hurt. You know, we do get that investor further down the line after Enoch had gone, and we've had that twenty years. Would it be reconciled if suddenly, you know, we do get the success that you've been waiting for, and then we do have the stadium, the training ground, the infrastructure? Uh, would, would you not say that we we're arguably in a better place going forward, having you know gone through a, a pretty a pretty fallow time? I mean, yeah, look, there's definitely an argument for it. I, you know, I've always said that. It's just people don't seem to want to ever listen. They they love it when I'm negative. Um, but, you know, listen, if Anoma comes in and their sole aim after all this is done is to pump into the team, their sole aim is to get some glory on the pitch. For the fans, then brilliant, great that we've got a new stadium, great that we've got the training grounds. But the problem is, is you know that's built now, that's done, and the message coming. Okay, let's take this back to January this year, guys. Like, um, I don't know, you you all saw that the the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust they go into the board meeting with the, with uh, Enoch uh, Levy and they have the chat about you know this is what the fans think, what's the plans for the year. And Daniel Levy came out with three very worrying messages from that meeting for me. And the first one was, we don't buy superstars, we create them. Now, first of all, we couldn't be anything further from the truth. Because other than Harry Kane, we haven't created any superstars from our youth team. Let's be really, um, sorry, Leslie King as well, right? But to say that we're not going to buy any superstars straight away makes me think they've got no interest. The second thing he said was, we're going to continue with the same process we've been going down in the transfer market. Mm. And that just made me think, well, what was the point of 
building the stadium there. Because if we're going to go down the same route, we could have stayed at the old White Hart Lane and done that. And the third and final point on that was, he turned around, and this is the worst one for me, lads, is he said, um, you know, we have seen that there's no correlation between spending and winning trophies. Mm. Now, when you put those three statements together, so, you know, there's no correlation of spending, we're going to stick with our process, and we don't buy superstars. You tell me then how we're going to compete if we're not going to do any of those things. As a postscript to that, if we take the arse as an example, now, mm -hmm. in, in all their years of uh, supposed failure, they've overtaken us in FA Cup wins mm -hmm. in that period when they're supposed to be failing. Just so, kind of rest my face. Yeah. Summer, 20, just, 29 years without an FA Cup is disgraceful. Summer, just finally, um, on, on Enid, one of our regulars, a guy called Ricky, a very talented um, graphic designer, you know, you might want to look at some of his stuff, he's like world class in that respect. Uh, but he comes, he comes with a, um, he comes out with a very kind of vociferous view on Levy. He's a, he's a big kind of like Levy supporter, and you know he, he has good reasons for it and everything, and he justifies it well. But what would you say to his idea that there should be a Daniel Levy statue? What, again, it, it comes down to <laughs> I, I'm happy for people like that. I truly am. If that is what you want from your football club, fine. I've got no problem with that. But as I always say. I am not, and apologies, I know you said you're an accountant. I am not an accountant when it comes to Spurs. I am a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Yeah, I am. I judge success on trophies the same way every other fan does of Premier League clubs. Right? It's, it's not rocket science. I can't put a trophy outside for a man that at every turn, when it looks like we are about to kick on and have success, stops. Look at 2012. Harry Redknapp had us third. We turned. We were turning into um, into January. We were third in the league. We we're a few points off the top. And the, that window, we went and bought Zaha, uh, sorry Saha, and, and and Ryan Nelson. Right. You look. You look a few years further down the line. You look. We've got a really good eleven. You know, everyone knows the famous eleven that we had. And you're thinking, go go and buy a few players. Kick us over that line, Daniel. Kick us over that line. And then we have three windows where the only person we bought for three windows was Lucas Mora. This is not a man who cares about on the pitch. And he demonstrates it time after time. So, listen, if you're an accountant, and if you care more about business than you do football, then I'm all for it. Put a statue up for the man. But if you're a football fan that pays your hard-earned money every year, year in, year out, you want to see some trophies. And it's embarrassing that we've had one in 20. And a quick stat for you guys, Peter, I'm sure you, you know, you're fully aware of this. I say to everybody, 20 years with Enoch, one trophy. The 20 years before Enoch, five trophies. Exactly, yeah. So you tell me what success or failure is. One League Cup in 20 years. Do you know what, Sava? It's really, really quite refreshing to hear you sort of talk like that. You know, I've been an, an Enoch apologist over the years, so you know, I, I, don't, I don't sort of, you know, I have my reasons. You know, I'm very much, you know, in finance, so I have my reasons for it. But I think it comes to a point where we, you know, we, yeah, we're, we're done. We're done with that. It's those money can't buy you moments that no. we that we want. You're right. Uh, You're in right. a sense, football fans just want those big moments, yeah. like whether it's a Lucas oh, Moore, Lucas yeah. Moore moment. 
a sun moment, you know, when he scored that goal against Burnley, or yeah. just seeing yeah. the last FA Cup, Gary Mabbott lifted it. Yeah, no, a long, time, long time ago. Full bounce and I've done it from the back. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Anyway, guys, let's, let's wrap that up. Savage, brilliant, great insight. Peter, you've got a kindred spirit there. Yeah, I mean, I, just want, I try to be even-handed about yeah, it. No, I just don't want. want to be bashing in it, but yeah. I, just, I just want to... Can I take one thing on that, lads? I, I think, yeah. you know, there's often a misconception as well, but because I have the podcast, that I'm not allowed to have that view, and that I'm not allowed to sit on either side of the fence. Um, but I've always said that I will always remain true to what I believe. And if people don't like that, then, I'm, you know, I can't do anything about it. But I, I'm desperate to see a trophy lifted. And we have far too many fans that think that we are above an FA Cup or a League Cup or Europa League. And uh, it baffles me. It really does. Or, or they think we're going to do a Wigan or a Leeds or a Portsmouth. And that's just <laughs> not, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Not with this ownership. No, you're right. Anyway, guys, let's move on for that. Brilliantly put, Sava. Really, really refreshing, as I say. Um, if we can now move on to the last part of our first uh, of this episode. Um, so on the field matters, you know, Sunday's 1-1 draw at Crystal Palace confirmed the final league position of sixth at lowest six 2014. It does continue on a very impressive record, having finished within the top six every season since 2008-9's eighth-place finish. Only Manchester City can claim that, actually. Peter, what do you make of those final nine Premier League games? You know, what, what, what's, what stood out for you, and how do you think we've fared over those last, you know, these nine games since lockdown? The only truly satisfying performance, I thought, was the Leicester one, funnily enough. The Sheffield one, totally inexplicable. The Bournemouth game, unwatchable. The Everton game, it was just dire. I mean, Mourinho will boast about proudly about the fact that our form, I suppose, is top four form since the restart. But, you know, it's, it's just been uh, like a... It's been with a, a playing style, which is like a counter-attacking style. Which is sort of alien to the core of of the Spurs tradition, you know. We we just in all those games we just seem to be turning the possession over to the opposition to the extent that like they were like seventy thirty in the favour of the opposition. Even that Palace game at, at the weekend, you know, they were just coming at us, you know. It just makes for a really difficult watch. And if we manage to scrape into the top four doing that which I don't think we will, but uh, playing that way, then, you know, it will be just by the skin of our teeth. But it's a really difficult watch. And I, um, apart from the Leicester game, which I really thought was a really good display. And Sim, can I sort of bring you in, be the youngest member of this group? How do you sort of find, you know, me, me Peter, and our older ones, Sabah possibly slightly younger than us, but we've sort of seen some swashbuckling Spurs team. How are you sort of finding us, our form since lockdown? And any games stick out for you? Yeah, I mean, the Leicester one was obviously a good a good performance. We did sort of blitz them in the first half, dropped up a bit in the second half, but, you know, whether that was whether that's a case of conserving energy, I thought we didn't really have to because our next game was a week later. But that was a standout performance. I actually quite like the, the counter-attacking football when it works like that. Um, you know, obviously, Jose has got success playing that way in the past, and I, I think if he can... You know, show us more of that and keep a clean sheet alongside it. We haven't kept many clean sheets, but that was one, and there's been a couple of other examples over the restart. If he can, you know, serve up more performances like that, then I'd be pretty happy, and I wouldn't mind watching that kind of football if it's if if it's kind of like comes with that sort of potency, like a Leicester game, but maybe not quite enough of those sort of games. 
Um, Savan, what has been your take on um, our football since lockdown and the results as well? I mean, look, let, let's let's look at this. Since the lockdown, the results have been brilliant. Um, you know, to, to win five, draw draw three, and lose one, losing one in nine is great form over a season. Is it is it the prettiest football we've ever seen? Absolutely not. I I, I agree with Peter to an extent. But I would also chuck in there that I, I feel what the job Mourinho has done has been exceptional. And I, I'll tell you why I think it's been exceptional, lads, is everyone's talking about the style of football we're playing. But what they seem to forget is the last 10 months under Pochettino was, was dying. It was woeful. Yeah. He won five games out of his last 24, and he had a 25% win rate. And that's because every, every game he tried to play this nice football, but it didn't work. We don't have the players anymore to play how we did in the famous 16, 17, 17, 18 team. We don't have the Dembele's, the Ericsson's. You know, we don't we don't have the flying fullbacks. Um, the two centre halves are not as good as they were. We don't have Wayne Yama sitting and holding. You know, we don't have the Deli Alley of three years ago. So, with the players we've got, I think he's done an amazing job because he's picked up a squad with no. With, 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 let's let's call it what it is, and, and I'm really honest about this. He's picked up a squad with terrible fullbacks, no defensive midfielder, no playmaker, one striker, and no midfielders that are comfortable on the ball to keep possession and that can run a game. And I think what he recognised that Hodge didn't was, okay, if we can't win games by that way, we need to play another way. And at the moment, he's done what he needed to do, get us over the lines, get us into Europe. And then what we'll start to see is an involvement uh, of his tactics as he gets players in those positions he wants. So I think it's really hard to judge him on, on this squad because, uh, for me, it's, it's diabolical. Sorry if that's too hard. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, that's great. But, um, Sim, sorry, you want to yeah, say No, no, sorry. You, you say that we have no players who are comfortable on the ball. Um, would, would that suggest that you're not a big fan of someone like Harry Winks who is... You know, if he's if he's not comfortable on the ball, then he's not really got that many qualities other than that, in my opinion. I mean, Harry Winks. Look, okay. So, so when I say comfortable on the ball, what I mean is, if you let's look at Man United's midfield three. Yeah, if we look at that 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 pivot of uh, Matic, Pogba, and and Bruno, they've got someone who does everything. They've got Matic who will sit and shield that back four, keeps the play simple, and will give it to the players that can do more with it. You've got Pogba. Who is, let's be fair, on his day is fantastic, well documented problems, but he's an excellent footballer, he's got a great engine, he's got great skill, he's got two good feet. And then you've got Bruno Fernandes, who we should have bought, but that's a different story. You've got Bruno Fernandes, who's gone into Man United, absolutely changed the way they play, he's got 11 goals, he's got 12 assists, and that midfield's got everything to control a game of football. I look at Winks. Winks is he's comfortable with a five-yard pass. Lacelso also, I think he's comfortable. I think he's safe. But none of them will get on the ball and dominate a game of football. None of them, you know. Also, the point of not having a playmaker there, lads, and the defensive midfielder means you've got no one to give the ball to who can actually go and create. And you've got no one like an Ndidi, like a Matic, like a Fernandinho, like a Kante, that can turn around and say to the other two midfielders, do you know what, lads, don't, don't worry about defending. 
go and, go and do your thing, I'll do your dirty work. And I think Jose relies on that position. He's always had that in his squads and his teams. And when he gets that, I think you'll start to see a little bit more fluidity and a little bit more off-the-leash football. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Sava. That's, that's some really good points there. Yeah. Um, I just want to throw out, um, Peter, to you. Who, who do you think have been, in player-wise, who do you think have been the winners um, since lockdown for Spurs in the last sort of seven or eight games? Who have been the good standout players? Well, I, I thought that I thought that Morris played quite well in the last couple of games. Actually, yeah. I I make him probably man of the match in the Palace game. I probably slightly disagree with you, Sava, a bit on Lacelso in the sense that I think he has been played far too deep in that team. I think what you saw on Sunday's game went. He actually did a genuinely Ericsson type assist for Kane's goal, where he threaded him in. You know. Slide rule pass. That's I think that's in his locker, and I think goals are in his locker as well. So I think he should be pushed a little bit further forward. But then, if you're talking about people who, I think Mora, I think uh, Son in a couple of games, uh, but then he was kind of anonymous on Sunday. So I can't. I'm struggling to pick out a standout player really. Sim, who would be your uh, maybe Mora? Yeah, Mora for you, Peter. Who would yeah. be your standout player, Sim, since uh, lockdown? Yeah, I've been a big fan of uh, Toby Abelero since since the, the restart. I know Dyer played a lot of the early games, didn't he? And possibly alongside Sanchez. And I, I think since the Sheffield United game, which I think was the last game that Toby didn't start, we conceded three goals in the, the last four games. And I just think we just look so much more solid when he's in the team. And since that game, apart from the goal we conceded against Palace in the last the last day of the season. You know, only two of those three goals, or two of those three goals were wonder strikes. You think of the Lacazette goal and the, um, what was the other one, the, the Richie goal for Newcastle. And I just think he's gives us that experience. He's, you know, he's he's a good guidance for someone like Sanchez, for someone like Tanganga, if he's going to play more games. And I, I think he's shown himself to be, you know, an important player going forwards and very reliable when he's been brought back into the team. Okay. Um, Sava, who would you say your players who stood out since uh, we come back from lockdown? Um, I would say Norris, Alvarez, and um, I think more more has been in and out, but I think you know he has he gives it his best and he, he works hard and I think he's been one of the better players. Um, and I, I think yeah, Peter, I think you and I do probably disagree slightly on on. Uh, on Giovanni Lacelso, I'm I'm not sold yet. Really? Yet. But yeah, I think Toby for me, I think he you know he had, he's had a difficult season, but he's come back and looks the old the Toby of old and you know and like you said there, I think if he plays alongside a Tanganga, a Sanchez, a Dyer, I think he will sort them through the games. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you said about Ugo, because I've got a theory on Ugo Sava and about the guys who might agree with me. I just think he's been so much better since with his all-round play, since he hasn't been so much doing so much football with the ball at his feet, he's been playing a bit more direct. I just think he's got less to concentrate on because he's just concentrating on actually being a goalkeeper rather than being footballing goalkeeper. I don't know if anyone agree with me yeah, on that. Yeah, he's passed that on to Kasper Smackel, hasn't he? That sort of dribbling on the edge of the six-yard box. I mean, he, he, he's played more yeah. direct, so he hasn't had to concentrate on being fancy. He's just he's yeah. made some really uh, key saves. Sim, what's your thoughts? He has done, yeah, nice. No, I mean. There were some terrible examples when early in the season, like the Southampton game, 
where he just kind of <laughs> got tackled in his goal line. And yeah. it's been, it's, it's, he's a funny one, Lloris, isn't it? Because remember when he came in and he was like the revolutionary sweeper keeper and, you know, we'd never seen anything like that before apart from maybe Neuer. And then, you know, a different type came in with Edison and Allison and I think even De Gea was pretty, pretty tidy with his feet. Um, and maybe got left behind a little bit, but you're right. It's just, a, it's something less to, to think about. I mean, if you can't, if, you, if you're a, if you're a defender, I'm, I'm a centre half when I play football and I'm not the best footballer. I'm okay on the ball, but like, I don't, I, I want to be thinking about, you know, where I've got to be defensively and stuff like that. And, you know, just giving it to whether I'm going long or giving it to someone in the midfield who knows what to do with it. I don't want to be thinking about how I'm going to, you know, Troy turn the, the yeah. strike or something like that. It's just, he, he's focusing on what's important, which is making saves and positioning. And less less drag backs on his um, goal line. Yeah. I totally agree. Can I, can I just ask you, Peter, um, what, what do you think has been uh, Jose's biggest impact since lockdown? Do you think he's done well? Well, I think he's sort of tried to kind of work with what, he's turned it around. Mm. I, I think he, he's made the best of that back four that he can. But we just don't have a back four. So um, he's tried to do this sort of lopsided back four thing and making up for the sort of defensive frailties of Aurea. I mean, do, you, I mean, do you think he's done well with the defence? Well, I won't say, I mean, that's, that's stretching it a bit to say he's done what, but he's sort of like re- recognised their limitations and tried to work with it. Yeah, that's not well with the defence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We only conceded a couple in the last few, yeah. but I mean, both of them were. We, we've not Aurea, kept... Two, two of them were, were bad, Aurea. Lapses, wasn't we've not kept clean shoes though, have we? You know, and that's we'll, good. We'll come on to Aurea uh, possibly a bit later. I just just want to sum up this episode actually. If I can go around the table, virtual table, um, if you can sort of sum up the this season um, in two or three words, that that would be great. Saba, can I start with you? Uh, yeah, of course you can. Uh, three words, or two or three words, or one word if you want, mate. No, I'll give you three. Salvaged by Jose. Ooh. Hey, I love that. <laughs> love that. That's one. Sim, what would you go for? Oh, oh my God, it's difficult. I'm not, I'm not as, uh, as quick as you, Sabah. Uh, oh, Peter. no, I had that pre planned. <laughs> Peter, have you got, have you got one? Oh, with, 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 just a, with a view to the Europa League, I'd say, don't like Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, obviously uh, Peter and Sam have done their homework by saying that earlier. I hate those Thursday games. Me too. Particularly the tea time ones. To, to be fair, Sim, you've done 30 seasons in lockdown and you've been the best in you know, the summer in the season. I don't, want to, I don't want to give a throwaway comment. You guys have obviously thought about yours. Yeah. So it's not a problem. Okay, guys, right. It's been brilliant. Thank, thanks for that uh, little trawl through. It's been brilliant to learn about your podcast, Sava, and also your thoughts on Enoch. And also a nice little sum up of the season, guys. So thanks so much. Um, Sava, thanks for being a guest. Hopefully you'll come back tomorrow for where we talk about the way forward for next season. So Sava, thank you. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, mate, absolutely. I'm always happy to go on Edinburgh's podcast. Always happy to talk to Spurs. So Brilliant. thanks for having me. You've been a, you've been a real uh, breath of fresh air, I have to admit. And we'll, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. And uh, Can I just oh, say a little oh, word? Sure. Uh, just say wholehearted sort of goodbye to Jan. You know, he's been a great oh, servant. yeah. Just a little word for Jan, you know, yeah. gonna, gonna miss him. Great guy, Jan. Yeah. Really sad, really sad that he's gone. It's a shame he didn't get a, a good time to say goodbye to again. Anyway, guys, thanks for that, and uh, we'll, listeners, we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, guys, bye. Cheers, Ian. Take care.